The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we take any more steps forward that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, this is Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL Show. You can subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating, ride, review. Those things always make us happy. You can watch this show if that is your chosen medium on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. Subscribe there as well. If you do, you will see here and perhaps smell the stylings of the fantastic Rachelle Prevet. She is on the ones and twos. I am RJ Ochoa. And with me, as always, from SBNation.com are Mark Schofield and JP Acosta. JP, there are no more undefeated teams left in the NFL Mercury Morris and the rest of the 1972 Miami Dolphins, who maybe you've never heard of because sometimes there are things that happen before your lifetime. Uh, they're toasting the champagne today. Have you ever considered that 1972 Miami Dolphins are sports biggest haters? Um, they, they never are celebrating when a team goes undefeated. They're always waiting for that one loss. So then they can just fire off the photo of them all holding champagne. It's incredible hate and energy. I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying, like, they might be the biggest haters in any sport. Mark, did you hate Mercury more specifically uh, during the run that in 2007 that the Patriots had? Because he was kind of outspoken. Um, he was very them. outspoken <laughs> during that run. And I think that goes to JP's point that they are perhaps sports' biggest haters. And even though it kind of, obviously at the time, rubbed me the wrong way, I appreciate it. Like, look, you were the last team to accomplish something. I, They're the only team, not the last only team. team. Only Okay, yeah, only team to ever have done something in NFL history. Like, certainly, like, lead into it. I love it. I appreciate it. And so, it's, I think, is this the earliest in recent memory that they've gotten to do this? I feel like it I is. think so. Yeah, like, maybe you're right. Maybe the champagne, like, chills till November most years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because last year the Eagles were something like 12 and 0. Um, the Cardinals, I think, got to seven or nine and zero in twenty one. Right? Well, was it the Steelers in twenty that were like yeah. the biggest frauds of all time? And yeah, they were like wooden that, games, but, just in absolute yeah. horrific fashion. You all knew, like at some point, if the wheels were going to come off. Yeah. JP, did you know um, that there was a? I think it was a FedEx. Maybe it might have been um, UPS commercial um, in the spring of two thousand and eight, 
uh, where Mercury Morris sent uh, a football that had like sticky on it to Eli Manning in the commercial. And he was like, throw this in the Super Bowl. And it was like a play on the David Tyree thing. Um, did you know that that commercial existed? No, I didn't. Actually. Wow. I, well, I erased that from my memory, too. Mark, I'm sorry. I really hated that Patriots team. Um, I mean, like, I grew to respect the organization, but I really, really hated that team. So. Yeah, I mean, most people <laughs> did. I get it. Um, there are no 2007 New England Patriots here. Uh, as mentioned, the final undefeated teams did fall on Sunday. We are going to discuss all of the Sunday action and offer a brief preview of Monday Night Football where America's team will be in action against the Los Angeles Chargers. I guess we have to start, Mark, with one of those undefeated teams. Uh, I mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles. They were the last undefeated team to fall a year ago. They fell on Sunday for the first time ever to the New York Jets. The Jets had never gotten a win. Uh, our own Brandon Gowden mentioned to me this was the battle of the Green Nations. Uh, we have Gang Green Nation at SB Nation. There are a lot of nations here. We're just a lot the, of nations. Yeah, we're, we're the real UN. Uh, right. But uh, Gang Green Nation <laughs> represents the New York Jets. Bleeding Green Nation represents the Philadelphia Eagles. But Gang Green Nation are the happy ones today, Mark, on Monday morning after the 20-14 to 14 win for the JETS. Yeah, I mean... Look, watching that game yesterday, and we were re-watching it this morning, it seemed like everything that could go wrong for Philly did. I mean, you have three interceptions from Hurts, only one of which I think was really on him. The first two, you get like a dropped, you know, dropped tight end screen goes through Goddard's hands, and you get your backup right tackles in the game. He gets blown up. You get a deflected pass and an interception. You know, the third interception, he's just like staring it down. Like, that was on him. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I think, you know, if you're Philly, you're going to have games like this. You're going to have games where the wheels just completely come off and you can almost look at it like the fact that they were even in that game at the end kind of says something about them. Um, you wait to hear on Lane Johnson and how he's going to be going forward because losing him I think would be a problem for them because it removes their, you know, big ace card, right? The one we talked about, the one JP talked about last week, which is you might have the best position group in football on that offensive line. But if it's not going to be the five you expect to see, that's going to hurt them a lot. So, yeah, that's the sort of ego side of it. For the Jets, I mean, now you might think maybe they're a feisty team, but I can't take a team that lost to Mac Jones seriously. I'm sorry. I just can't do it just yet, okay? So the defense is great. You're you're down your you know, your sauces out. You're down your top two corners, and you still find a way to win this game. Yeah, that's nice. But you still lost to Mac Jones, so there is that. If we were to go back to week one and say the Jets would be 500 entering their bye week without Aaron Rodgers, I think we would have all said that person who said that was crazy. So it's really impressive, especially by this defense and this defensive line who was playing like one of the best in football. Bryce Huff is a designated pass rusher, and I believe he has one of the highest pressure rates in the NFL. He's playing awesome. Zach Wilson, despite having a lot still a lot of major flaws he looks better than he did last year which of course it's not hard but that's important um from the eagles perspective this is why you miss lane johnson <laughs> like that's that's really the biggest thing you know i think there are a lot of times where the last year eagles questions still kind of came up as to like how will jalen hurts adjust to blitzing and adjust to pressure i think there are still going to be a lot of questions about trying to find an in-between game for this offense outside of the run game and the deep vertical passes. But this is this is a great win by the Jets. You know, this is kind of a – I'm not going to say it's like a statement win, but it's a monumental one for a Jets team that 
like I said, now it's 500 entering the bye week, and they're all posting videos of Aaron Rodgers throwing footballs during pregame, and everybody's going to get excited for him to say that he's just not coming back the rest of the season. Um, I told you both and Rachelle that I spent the weekend in Austin, um, and the weather was just incredible. And, like, I mean, Mark, you experienced fall weather in a different way than most of us, Rachelle, you as well. Um, but that first, like, bit when you haven't had it in a long time is this just, like, incredibly refreshing – sort of feeling you feel reborn and that's what i have to imagine life is like for the jets now like like there's hope like jp to your point like what what like 30 seconds into the week one like hope was gone forever and you felt cursed you know beyond like multiple generations and lifetimes but like will they be a playoff team i think we'd all probably bet against it but like it's it's no longer like a impractical thing it's no longer this like remote possibility no it's like well within range their first game out of the bye is against the giants I mean, like, can can they not get north of 500 with that? I mean, after a bye week to kind of, you know, this is their first opportunity to get their head above water, given everything that happened throughout the first six weeks of the season. It was a huge win for them. I agree with that. Um, I, I totally understand the Lane Johnson side of things. Y'all know I've been chomping at the bit to, like, hate on the Eagles for the first time this season. They had not played sound football, right? They'd been winning, and kudos to them. That is the mark of a great team. It felt like that kind of caught up to them in this particular game. And their schedule coming up is really difficult, Mark. This, you have to wonder, I mean, they were never going to be as good as last year because they were incredible last year. I mean, they had one of the most unbelievable regular seasons and, you know, early parts of the playoff runs that any team ever had. Shout out even to Mercury Morris's Dolphins. But, like, this is, you know, this is maybe life for the Eagles where they have to figure out how to adjust to different things. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. And, I mean, look, I'm not, I think it's stupid to poke at interception numbers, but, Jimmy Garoppolo is the only quarterback in the NFL with more interceptions than Jalen Hurts. He's tied with your boy, Mac Jones. Yeah, and like you said, RJ, their schedule coming up is brutal. I mean, obviously, you get Miami this week, so that's going to be a big one. You get Washington on the road. Then you get Dallas. You get Kansas City. You get Buffalo. You get San Francisco. You get Dallas. Like, that's a really, really, really tough stretch. You know, and I, I think JP's point about finding out like the middle part of this offense, the intermediate part of this offense. Like, yes, you've got run game elements. Yes, you've got the vertical shot play elements and the deep stuff in the past game. What's that in between for this offense? That was something that they had last year at times. You know, Hertz's ability to attack the middle of the field was a question mark coming into last season. They figured it out last year. It's not there for them right now. And I know that a lot of Eagles fans are extremely frustrated with play calling. Obviously, you get a you know a new play caller with Shane Steichen in Indianapolis. You know, Brian Johnson has been up for some criticism the past couple of weeks leading into this game. And so I think that's certainly something to watch. Red zone inefficiency, red zone woes are, you know, and, and you know, maybe this is a big picture item for the NFL writ large. Scoring felt really down yesterday. I know we've talked about Dallas and their red zone woes. Certainly the same could be said for, said for Philadelphia, who was like number three in the NFL last year, red zone scoring. They're now like in the bottom third of the league right now. So that's something they've got to figure it out. They tend to get behind the sticks in red zone situations, third and long and things like that. Interception numbers aren't great. Like there are things that they have to iron out. I still think that they're going to be okay, but this schedule coming up is brutal. Yeah. Ultimately they'll be fine. I think Boom. I do have questions about like, what does this offense look like without Lane Johnson, who is arguably the best and most important offensive lineman in the league? You know, like they're 
he allows them to do so much where you can slide protection towards any of the guards or anywhere else and just forget about the right side of the uh, ball. It's kind of like having an elite cornerback. You can forget about the right side of the right side of the line because you have Lane Johnson. But now that you might not have him, depending on how long he's going to be out, especially with this rough part of the schedule coming up, what does this offense look like is going to be a major question. Mm. Let's head to Cleveland, where the other undefeated team fell. They actually fell first, uh, leaving Philly as the lone one for about three hours. Uh, Mark, the San Francisco 49ers looked mortal um, just one week after the exact and total opposite. And um, this is a really interesting win for the Cleveland Browns, given that Deshaun Watson was not a part of it. Um, This was obviously the Browns defense kind of flexing. Now, San Francisco did deal with the injury bug all over the place. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams for a spell. Um, But... This was, you know, this was Kyle Shanahan's game plan not going to total and complete fruition, which is normally the case on a given NFL day. Yeah, and what's weird is Jim Schwartz kind of has his number. I mean, I saw it's what, like one and eight, one and nine, uh, Jim Schwartz defensive teams against Kyle Shanahan over their run in the NFL, which is fascinating to think about. This 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 Cleveland defense is just relentless. Like I was re-watching this game this morning. I think I saw like 35 plays or something where Purdy was under pressure within a second of the snap. Like, and a lot of these, you know, they brought pressure at times, they brought numbers at times, but a lot of them were just, they're getting after it with four. They've got the personnel, Cleveland, that can do that. And it's the old tried and true, right? Well, how do you stop a team? Well, if you can get pressure with four, it's like the easiest, most crutch like answer you can give, get pressure with four, but Cleveland can certainly do that. They also seem to figure out, and San Francisco has a great screen game with all the players they have, with Kittle, with Juice Check, with the different things they can do in the screen game. They seemed ready for those. There was a play they were trying to set up a, a screen to Juice Check, and JOK was like sitting on it, like waiting for it. And he was all over the field, too. He was so fun to watch yesterday. And Purdy ended up getting sacked. And so I think the fear, if you're San Francisco, yes, the injuries and stuff are, are something. The fear is that this might have given the quote-unquote blueprint. The other thing we love to say, oh, this is the blueprint on how to beat the team. The problem for the other 31 teams that might try this, though, they're not Cleveland. You know, Cleveland's defense is tremendously talented. I'm not selling any of my Miles Garrett DPOY stock after this game. In fact, I might be adding more. He didn't have a sack in the Niners game, but he was impactful on every snap of the game. Like Mark said, Jim Schwartz is kind of like, he's morphed this defense into one that is arguably the best in the league. You know, one thing that stood out to me about this game is how they were so willing to live in man coverage against the Niners receivers. And it fits because they have invested a lot of money, a lot of high draft picks. You think Greg Newsome, Denzel Ward, Juan Thornhill was just got paid by them this year, this offseason. Um, Martin Emerson. You think about all those guys they have invested draft picks into. It makes sense that they want to play a lot of man coverage. You have the dudes to. And Jim Schwartz is like, one thing that's changed about this Browns defense is they're allowing their best athletes and their best players to go and be dudes. Go play man. You are the, one, you are the best athletes on this field. Go prove it. So, like you said, I don't know if this is like a blueprint to beat the 49ers because not every team's going to have a Miles Garrett. But if the Niners do have Trent, do play games without Trent Williams and Chris McCaffrey and Debo Samuel for an extended period of time, it will be interesting to see what Brock Purdy looks like because Brock Purdy looked less like the world beaten hero for the past five weeks and more just like Shanahan quarterback. 
Yeah, this looked a little bit like um, I think like the emblematic element was Brock Purdy was like, oh, like you got to go make a little bit happen on your own, Brock. And not to say that he can or he hasn't done anything like that to this point, I don't think would be fair. Um, but this was like a Brock, you just got to do something like everything is really ugly um, and it didn't happen. And so that's a tough scene. Um, I don't think any. At the same ahead, like he had a throw fourth quarter, like 13, 16 mark. He's flushed to the right. Hits Ayuk on the move, and it's right there. It's a catchable ball, and it's dropped. And even with all of this, all this that we said is true. They had a game with a field goal attempt. Like that's true. And yes, there was a kind of a sketchy DPI call on that final drive. But look, he had a, his last throw to Jennings was on third and two. He had Miles Garrett in his chops, and he put it right where it needed to be to get themselves into that field goal range. He had another throw to Ayuk that was a pretty good ball on that drive. Like it was all basically bad from Purdy. It wasn't a great game at all. He seemed flustered. He seemed pressured. He seemed rattled. That internal clock was sped up as it would be when you've got Miles Garrett in your face on 30 snaps or something like that. And he still put him in a position to win. Like, you know, certainly not a game that the people that have been saying Brock Purdy is one of the NFL elites are going to point to, but you know, he put them in, a, he still had him in a position to win. I know that there are a lot of people who are, you know, anxious to denounce, Brock Purdy is an NFL player. Um, and I think that would be a ridiculous of a reaction based on what we saw. Cause again, like it's understandable to be flummoxed by the Browns defense. I mean, yeah. um, and to your point, Mark, like even in spite of that, like they had an opportunity to win. Um, and you could argue they didn't directly lose it because of him. Um, whatever. I mean, we're getting into the weeds here, but yeah, like I, JP, you said you weren't selling miles Garrett stock. I wouldn't sell Brock Purdy stock. I wouldn't sell San Francisco stock at all. This was just a, an impressive effort by Cleveland, which is the other side of this discussion, JP. Um, I don't mean to do the like, oh, the Deshaun Watson trade wasn't worth it, you know, narrative, blah, blah. But like, man, you found a way to like, this is the most impressive Browns win since what? The playoff win against Pittsburgh? I mean, and I mean, seriously. And like, first of all, PJ Walker, like Twitter favorite. Everybody loves PJ Walker. So this was super cool. Um, but man, this is kind of a tough scene if you're the Browns for like your overall team structure um, that you were able to pull this off. It's a weird win in that sense. Yeah, but I also kind of think P.J. Walker didn't play. Wow, the disrespect. Wow. Like, I love P.J. Walker. He didn't necessarily make a – he didn't make a lot of plays. There was the jump ball to Amari Cooper where <sighs> Amari Cooper – reminder, the Cowboys traded the fifth-round fifth pick. Where, where does Dame Lillard play oh. basketball, JP? <laughs> they, they traded a fifth-round <laughs> pick for Amari Cooper, and now he's dunking on San Francisco DBs, which is something the Cowboys evidently don't have. But anyway, I think they had – P.J. Walker was – he looked like a backup quarterback against the Niners' defense, you know? And sometimes, like, football is never, like – football's a lot of odds, you know? Sometimes sometimes the odds are in your favor. Sometimes Amari Cooper's going to make those catches and be, like, an absolutely insane receiver. It's just kind of – I'm not, like – it's rough because of how poor Deshaun has looked. But I also think this game was more about the defense continuing to give the offense multiple chances at the dartboard. You know, they gave them so many opportunities to figure it out. And then when they did, they took the lead. Mm. Okay. So JP hates PJ Walker. I thought you would have loved his initials. I mean, wrong order, but you know what I mean? Like close enough, uh, I thought to earn your respect, but I guess I was wrong. Um, let's head down, Mark, to the best team in the state of Florida, the Miami Dolphins, um, uh, who got the 42-21 to 21 win 
over the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers still winless despite getting out to a 14 to nothing lead early on. Everybody was super ready, I think, to have some fun with this. But then the Dolphins offense just showed up. Tyreek Hill grabbed a phone, did a backflip. It was super cool. Um, the Dolphins, Mark, again, Mercury Morris. What a day to be Mercury Morris, basically. What a day. What a yeah. day for the Dolphins fans. I mean, yeah, I I had the tweet in the drafts to send to my buddy Kyle Krabs, like, hey, you, you're going to lose to, to Bryce Young. But I never, I didn't push send because, you know, it was very early in the day, and I'm glad that I didn't. Um, Miami's offense just so fast, so explosive. I think watching this game yesterday – Bryce Young made some throws in this game. Like, he made some throws in this game, both early and late after they were down. Like, the touchdown to Thielen was an absolutely perfect throw. Like, velocity, timing, had all the things you need, had to get it over the underneath defender. He had a throw, I think, in the third, late in the third quarter where, you know, he opens to his left, comes back to Thielen and leads him away from the underneath defender. Like, I thought, I thought he played fairly well, and he's gotten better. Like, he had a really slow start. But he's gotten better since he's come back. And I think Carolina fans can breathe a little bit easier than they were, say, in September when it comes to Bryce Young. The only thing I am going to mention with respect to the Dolphins, you know, yes, their record is fantastic. They have gotten their wins against teams that are a combined 5-23. and 23. Like, I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Like, the schedule, it is what it is. Like, that, that's fine. You can only play who you play. You beat the teams that you are on your schedule. That's great. They're top the AFC East standards. That's fantastic. But you've beaten the Chargers, who were two and two going into tonight. The Patriots, the Broncos, and the Giants, who are all one and five, and the Panthers, who are now zero and six. Like, I, I'm again. The schedule is what it is. They're a very explosive team. They've shown that they can, you know, put up points in bunches and put up points quickly. But I'm just saying. JP, number one uh, is Mark Jaded. Um, number two um, is Tua the front runner for MVP at this moment um so on the first one I kind of get where Marcus wow y'all are some haters this morning goodness but let me me, I'm I'm not done done. but it's not just that they are beating bad teams it's like the whole college football thing we're like oh you 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 have a weak schedule it's not just they're playing a weak schedule they're blasting these these teams outside of the Patriots game they only scored like 24 and you get the Bill Belichick bump. Um, they put up they put up seventy points on one of those teams. Like it's not just like they're just barely getting by these teams. They're blasting these opponents. So I think it's a little bit more of the Dolphins' offense is very very good and will give them opportunities to win the game. I still have a lot of questions about that defense, especially when it comes to defending the pass. You know, I if you can play a team that has enough to turn the turn things into a shootout more consistently i don't know you know i don't know if this defense will be able to hold up but the question is do they have to like do they have to hold up as much well, so two like, of their score. two of their next three like, games jp are against the eagles and the chiefs so we'll get a chance to kind of learn that a little bit um but also quickly on that note uh, during the sunday morning news dumps uh was a report that jalen ramsey is much closer to a return than people would have initially thought um, the first reports when he first got injured were like what December. Um, so that that helps shore things up in a technical and literal sense. Yeah, it'll help. But you know, I still think the transition from Brian Flores to Vic Fangio style of defense is still taking effect on this team. You know, I still worry about overall their defense, not only the pass, but you know, I think they do enough to 
break bad teams. And once they break bad teams, the offense just pours it on. We're going to see the next couple of weeks. We will see, especially when they play the Chiefs and the Eagles. As far as Tua, frontrunner MVP, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, right now it's like it's like him, Jared Goff, and Curtis McCaffrey. Who'd you say? Who'd you say? <laughs> what is the Jared Goff? What is happening? I don't know. Right now, I don't know. Um. I heard the opening moments of the latest around the NFL podcast. They said that the NFL needed um, Sunday's like results, like with the Eagles and Niners losses of the teams that they came against. Like it, 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 the season was starting to feel a little weird. Like it, it felt a little like uneven. Um, so I agree with that. But I think that that is really exemplified by that point, JP, uh, that, that Tua and Jared Goff are in the running. Speaking of, I mean, we might as well go. Mark, uh, my first question to you, watching the Lions win 20 to 6 in Tampa Bay against the Creamsicles, did it feel like an old school NFC Central it, match? Oh, man, it did. It absolutely did. I was I I half expected to hear somewhere all in Madden, like mm. like that was like a warm blanket uh, for an old guy like me. It was absolutely fantastic to see Jared Goff though. He played very very well in this game. Had some tremendous throws in this game. That passing game was really sort of clicking. It was fun to watch that passing game. Jared Goff on third and fourth downs, 10 of 14 for 176 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and an NFL passer rated a 153.3, which is near perfect. Um, it's time to take the Lions for real. I mean, it, it's absolutely time to take the Lions for real. Um, this was a day where, you know, the run game wasn't quite clicking, so you get Goff putting up the kind of numbers that he did against a defense that can do some things. Their defense looked good, too. They were in Mayfield's face to pretty much throw this entire game, deflecting passes, getting some turnovers. This is a very fun Lions team to watch. And, yes, as we said last week, Jared Goff is now in the MVP discussion. I mean, yeah, they are – they're arguably, like, one of one of the best teams in the NFL yeah. right now. They can, they can beat you in so many different ways offensively. If you want to try a shootout, like they will, they can try. They can play those games. If you want to try and grind out a field a field position possession game, they can do that. One of the things that really stands out for me about this team is just like the overall vibes from this team are just awesome right now. You got Craig Reynolds throwing blocks fifteen, like ten yards downfield, and decleating DBs to help spring in a Monroe St. Brown touchdown. Jamison Williams came ah. back and immediately caught a 40-yard touchdown pass, which was insanely funny. But to, to Mark's point, the defense played really well. And that was a question coming in this season about if the defense could put together consistent strings of good play. They put those together against a Buccaneers team that, of course, led by Baker Mayfield. We will give them the Baker Mayfield, like, oh, the caveat there. But Baker Mayfield was playing pretty good football up until then. And they still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You know, those two guys did not just cease to exist. And they only scored six points. You know, this is this is a good team, like a capital G good football team. And also, listen to their schedule the rest of the way, okay? At Baltimore, home against the Raiders. At the Chargers, home against the Bears. Home against the Packers. At New Orleans. At the Bears. Home against the Broncos. At Minnesota. At Dallas home against the Vikings. Those are all winnable games. How, how many will they I mean, the how many will they not be favored in, Mark? Off the top of your by head. the time they get to Dallas, maybe they Dallas could probably one, maybe Baltimore this week, Dallas, but that's that's all I could see. By the time they get to Dallas, they could already be like 
fighting for like the one seed yeah. in the NFC. Well, it's funny you say that because um, this they got this game was bumped to the afternoon. I don't know if I, I, I mentioned this on Friday. Uh, this was originally a noon game, but you know, congrats to the Lions. Like they have, they are really Andy Dufresne on the other side of the tunnel. Like they have made it to the good times to where the NFL wants you in the afternoon slot. Um, and I saw Jeremy Reisman, um, who covers the Lions for us at SB Nation for Pride of Detroit. Uh, I saw him tweeting like, come on, Jets. Like, and I was obviously rooting for the Jets, um, you know, from a Cowboys slant. But like, I was like, hell yeah, Jeremy, like you're you're <laughs> you're in the mix for the one seed. Like, in, like this, this is all like rational and fair for the Lions at this point. Um, JP, you mentioned the vibes. It is so rare that Twitter wants something to happen and then it like blossoms and becomes like i know that the ravens um on their like early analytical you know like moves and, and adjustments and things like that there was this like our ravens movement on twitter that kind of like fizzled out rachelle please don't hold it against me but like everyone wanted the lions to be there everybody and like no nobody except for like maybe like j uh, not jp uh for justice like you know what i mean everybody wanted the lions to be good and they are like they're realizing everyone's like great ambitions for them and it's it's not like unfair to dream anything for them like it, maybe there was this like glass ceiling on them before mark but like they're here like they, they are a super bowl contending team and that's not like a, a a bump we're giving them it is tried and true yeah no i mean this feels legit now as we just saw yesterday like things can change in the blink of an eye so who knows but this schedule that's coming up and as JP said, the variety of ways that they can beat you, the way this defense has been playing well, I mean, these are all sort of, you know, the ingredients you want for a team that's going to make a run in this era of football. They also aren't fully healthy. Right. Like, yeah. they're, they're missing a couple corners, and their offensive line has been banged up. You know, they're, they're still not fully healthy. So a fully healthy Lions team by the end of the season – yeah, this is this might be a Super Bowl contending team. Uh, JP, you've dealt with enough disrespect, especially Mark bringing up Dane Millard again. Really rude of him. Um, let's go to the Jaguars, who got a thirty-seven to twenty win. Uh, the Colts have not won in Duval since when? JP, two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. That was the first game Blake Bortles ever played as a Jaguar when he took over for Tad Hinn. Wow, that is. Um is really sad for the Colts uh, that they cannot get this done. Although they were a little bit up against it in this game, obviously with Anthony Richardson, not playing, we can get to that side of things, but uh super impressive outing from the Jaguars, JP, the Jaguars defense showing up. Um, this is a Super Bowl contending team as well. Like they're realizing their potential. That a lot of people had for them proving last season in the second half. Wasn't this kind of fluke thing. Yeah. I think people are going to look at the score and be like, Oh, 37, 20, this game was not as close as the score indicates. This game was a blowout real early they were playing prevent defense like midway through the third quarter um this defense is legit like i they are so legit they play so fast mike caldwell has them running so many different varieties of pressures and coverages andre cisco is playing like one of the best safeties in the league he's he's might make a pro bowl at this rate you know um josh allen once again continues to be a terror for the Indianapolis Colts, I think the stat came out via next-gen stats that uh, he just terrorizes Bernard Raymond these past couple – the past two times they played the Colts. I think he has 38 pressures over two games. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just bad against uh, the Colts. The Jaguars just have their number. Um, the offense looked good, and it kind of reinforces my thought that this, the London weeks were like Ted Lasso and like Amsterdam because – this offense looked a whole lot better <laughs> on Sunday, you know, but um, scary moment at the end with Trevor Lawrence going down, knee injury, 
They say he's day to day, but you know, games on Thursday against the Saints. And you know, normally coming out of the London games, you have a bye week. The Jaguars elected to push their bye week a little later in the season, which they did last year too. But if you know, this is a big game, you know, it's Thursday night football, everybody's gonna be watching. You hope Trevor's healthy because God, I don't want to see CJ Beathard play football. Mark, um, I'm, well, Mark, I'll, I'll just say the Jaguars, they have the Saints game and then the Pitt, the Steelers game, both on the yeah. road, but then the bye. Like, they could, I mean, if they're five and three at the bye, I mean, that's even being conservative here, but like the Jaguars are setting themselves up nicely. Yeah, they are. And, and JP said it last week and we saw it yesterday. This defense is fantastic. Like, you know, JP said it might be one of the better defenses of the league. We saw that. Minshew looked uncomfortable almost from the first snap of this game. He had pressure in his face a lot. A lot of his misses were high because he had that pressure in his face. He was sailing some throws. Both of the first two interceptions were on high throws. They had a play. There was a sack that they got of Minshew in the third quarter where Indianapolis won 12 personnel. They had both tight ends at a win. Both tight ends chip and release. They only rush forward. It doesn't matter. He's still sacked within like a second and a half. Like that's how good this pass rush is right now. Yo, know, the scary moment with the MRI and Lawrence and the knee injury. Sounds like he's going to be okay, which is huge. But this defense is great. The offense looked great. They're, they're like just, just like the Lions. Now when you look around the rest of the AFC, I mean, you might have some teams at the top, but I think you put Jacksonville in there too. Um, JP, on the other side of this, uh, Mark mentioned that Gardner Minshew was under duress all day long. Uh, I mentioned the Sunday morning reports. It seems possible that Anthony Richardson's rookie season may be over. Um, showed a lot of promise, showed a lot of excitement. Colts fans, I mentioned Andy Dufresne, have really been through it. I don't know if, again, if y'all know this, but Andrew Luck retired. And so Chris Ballard deserves like 4,000 chances to get this right. Um, but man, the the idea, JP, of a fan base, I know you don't pity the Colts fans, but like, of having to wait until July, you know, to to see him again in any kind of serious action is just a huge bummer to consider. Oh, let me play my little <laughs> sad song on my sad violin. You can feel I'm for the funny. fans like that. That would suck kidding. to go. I'm just, I'm yeah, kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, it sucks because Anthony Richardson was playing really well. I think people are going to look at the injuries like, hey, maybe you should stop running when no, this is just like, these are freak injuries that don't happen like every time he gets hit. He's not like, glass bones paper skin man but um can we stop making Gardner Minshew a thing we have we have to let it go let Gardner Minshew go he is not good he plays really bad he doesn't take any shots downfield unless the team is down 25 um it's all just two yard passes and he plays like a backup I think people fell in love with Minshew during the the uh, Nick Foles uh god the Nick Foles Jaguars era and 2020 when he was kind of even in 2020 he was bad that's why they went and drafted Trevor Lawrence because he was bad they won one game everybody felt for the story JP like the character that he is that's all that was like he you know he's this like swash like if he played for the Buccaneers he'd be like an even larger household name you know what I mean like that's that's all people and not to discredit his play but that was what everybody loved and the mustache. comment says respect the stash like everybody loves the character I'm not, I'm not respecting the mustache I'm not <laughs> I don't, I don't have to. I've been I've been down this road with Gardner Minshew before. I will not be fooled again. Um, it sucks for the Colts because, you know, the defense isn't bad. Like, they have some dudes on that defense. The offense has some fun players, but, you know, it's it sucks when you, you constantly – you think you got the quarterback and then the rookie season he's done for the rest of the year with a shoulder injury. 
it kind of feels like, you know, especially for Colts fans, like you're seeing the same story over yeah. and over again, like a young quarterback getting absolutely destroyed by his own body. You know, I <laughs> again, I'm not really like too sad because you don't know true pain. Colts fans, you you don't know true pain, but it sucks for Anthony Richardson. Yeah, um, and it's because the main thing he needed was reps, right? Like he needed games. And if he's now on the shelf for the rest of this season, that's the worst case scenario for the Colts. Because even if you're not winning, like getting him starts, getting him reps, getting him live NFL action was the main goal of this season. So next year he has that kind of leap. Now you're setting that clock back a little bit. To your point, Mark, uh, the take is brewing for like like this time next year. Someone being like, "Look, this is really Anthony Richardson's rookie year." You know what I mean? Like, we oh, need to I've stop got it in the drafts <laughs> already. Oh, I mean, yeah. come on, Dang. I got it locked yeah. and loaded. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's head to Cincinnati, where JP the Bengals seem to have started their full climb out of their 0-2 hole. Um, they are now 500, um, so kudos to them. 17-13, the final score. I thought the Seahawks would find a way, and they almost did, uh, but the Bengals are gritty. Like, they deserve a lot of benefit of the doubt. They have proven that over the, the Joe Burrow era. Um, yeah, not not a huge day for Jamar Chase, um, you know, like last week, but the Bengals are kind of back. It's uncomfortable, but they are they are winning games. That's the best thing. It doesn't matter if you win by one or you win by 100, as long as you put the W in the win column. Um, this defense is really good. They are very, very good. Lou Anarumo is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, and I don't think their pass rush gets enough credit because they don't have a lot of, like, superstar pass rushers. Trey Hendrickson rocks. Shout out to the FAU alum. But Sam Hubbard. B.J. Hill, those guys getting after it. Miles Murphy playing really good in his rookie year. You have so many dudes who can win, convert, and speed the power, and that's really where they want to be for a defense. They don't want to bend around the corner and try and force you into make a quick decision based on their speed. They're going to constrict the pocket. They're going to get you closer and closer, tighter and tighter, until you either take a sack or you throw the ball for a poor decision, which is how Geno Smith turned the ball over a few times. Offense, like, look, man. It's just you're going to have to struggle a little bit, you, you know, until Joe Burrow is fully, fully healthy. You're going to have these games like this where you get into the muck 
where you get into like some real like real grimy football games. He's still like he looked kind of good against the Cardinals last week. It still feels like he's trying to make his way back. But you know, the he just does even with the calf injury, even being fully healthy, his arm strength wasn't like among the best in the league. So now with that hampered by a lower body injury, you know, you kind of see it a little bit. But as long as you find ways to win, that's all that matters for the Bengals. You got to dig yourself out of this hole by just finding different ways to win. Mark, um, I was bummed to see the Seahawks lose. This this would have felt like a, a big boost in the like belief in the Seahawks that I had and a lot of people had prior to the, this season beginning. Um, so it's kind of a shame that they weren't able to get this done in Cincinnati. DK Metcalf seemed a little bit pissed off. Yeah, he seemed frustrated. There were times when he was open, when he wasn't getting the ball. There was a moment where he sort of like waved off, you know, the offensive backfield. I don't, I'm not going to say it was like Geno specific, but I do think the story of this was Cincinnati's defense. And to JP's point about their pass rush, you remember that AFC Championship game where they beat Kansas City and there was that sequence at the end of the game where they got down like Kansas City got down late first and goal and you're, everybody's thinking, look, this game's over. And they got a pair of pressures and I think two sacks when they just got four after Mahomes and it was Hedrickson and Hubbard. The same scenario played out yesterday where they, since Seattle got down late, you know, you got a Hendrickson sack with their rushing forward, just 327 left in the game. A Hubbard sack where they get home with four, 208 left in the game. Now Cincinnati gets the bye. And coming out of the bye is that big game against the 49ers. And as we talked about, you know, 30 minutes ago, the sort of blueprint for beating San Francisco is, oh, can you get pressure with four? Well, not that it's Miles Garrett and company, as we see with Cleveland, but this defense can do it too. And you get Burrow rested, that calf rested. You know, the clowns that wrote a football court piece a couple of weeks ago about maybe the, the Bengals should tank. You know, we kind of look a little silly right now, even pose it in that question. But this defense is very, very good. And if that offense gets Burrow completely healthy and they start spreading the ball around and all that stuff, since he could be an end, in it to the end. Uh, by the way, Mark, you mentioned the clowns that wrote that. Um, shout out, of course, to SBNation.com and all the work you all do. I can't believe I forgot to mention this, um, but it was a tab that was open nonetheless. Um, James wrote something on Monday morning that is titled, The Eagles Might Be Frauds, and it's time that we admit it. So I just wanted to make sure Whoa, that I read wow, the Oh, that's a spicy out. thing. Oh, uh, I mean, the, the one fan base you just don't want. Yeah, I mean. And, and we saw James reached out to us last night, and he, he was like, throwing that proposed title at us he's like tomorrow is going to be an uncomfortable day for me yeah oh um i haven't read it all the way through um but i mean honestly like this is one of those like i just need to read the title and i'm i'm ready to you know assemble my take uh yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, there are two fan bases you do not want to poke eagles is definitely up there and jacksonville is another like jacksonville oh, yeah. is a fan base that you do not want to poke that bear they would they would they would like find you on the streets Look, man, we've been through the we've been through the mud. Yeah. Now we have a good team. Don't try and slander us. We will we will come for you. We will we will find you. The uh, you know? Baltimore Ravens won the final game in London, Mark, twenty four to sixteen. Um, it was a you know solid outing from Baltimore. Oh, we're fast forwarding. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, which one of you? We'll take this as Mark's fast forward. So yeah. JP, you um, you have yours. One sentence, Mark, on the Ravens' twenty-four to sixteen win over the Titans. They didn't blow a double-digit lead. They done it <laughs> like six of their last nine losses. They've blown like double-digit leads. They didn't do it. It seemed like even when Harbaugh was making curious decisions, they worked out like they could have tried the field goal before halftime. That was well within Tucker's range, and they decide, no, we're just going to punt it away and run out the half. Phillips then drops the punt, and you get the field goal anyway. And so. You know, everything sort of went Baltimore's way. Maybe it goes to the, yeah, if you have a London game, like get over early and get adjusted because Tennessee came over late. You saw how they played. But I'm just glad we hit the fast forward button on this one. JP. What the hell are the Tennessee Titans, man? <laughs> what is this team? Yeah. Um, my sentence is going to be, um, I've seen enough Ryan Tannehill, but I don't know what the better option is. Like, You know what I mean? Like they're, I just really, I'm kind of done with the Titans. Like, you know. Malik Willis needs to drink like three C4s, get himself like nice and wired in the pocket next time he plays because everything was so slow. I mean, how many times was Rich Eisen saying, you cannot take a sack in this situation, and he immediately takes a sack? It was so funny. It was the first play out of the red, out of the screen pass where they got to the one. It's like, you really can't take a sack yeah. here. Yard yeah. sack. And it's not, it's not just like nobody's open. Like, it's just he's holding on to the ball so long. Like, he's not trusting what he's yeah. seeing. But the people clamoring for Will Levis, Will Levis did the same thing against worse competition. So, if, if you want to see Will Levis, which I agree, like, you've got to see a little bit what you got, it's going to look really bad. It's gonna, you're just not going to look good. And it might be worth drafting the quarterback early. Because Will Levis was a second-round pick. You don't have to tie your boat. For two dudes who were so anxious to fast-forward to this game, you both wanted to say a lot about it. So um, just, you know. I just like (laughs) fast-talking. The Washington Commanders outlasted the Atlanta Falcons 24-16. to (laughs) Um, I I don't know if you're chuckling because you want to fast-forward to this, JP. I'm not fast-forwarding. Okay. um, Yeah, this is – like, we're getting to the tough part of the Falcons. Um, this is not enjoyable to watch, despite the fact that Kyle Pitts had a touchdown, JP, um, which is cool. But again, like, this was such an ugly game. Like, I, this was not – I don't know. Maybe you feel different. I didn't enjoy this in any way. My fantasy team rejoiced that Kyle Pitts finally caught a touchdown. Thanks, Desmond Ritter, for finally getting it in the area code. But this was a poorly coached and poorly quarterback game for, for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, it was – for some reason, Arthur Smith, every time he gets into the red zone, decides we're not going to run the ball. Mm-mm. We're going to let Desmond Ritter be the hero. And you can see one of the interceptions, it was really bad. It was the one where he drew, threw it directly to a DB, and Arthur Smith just loses his mind on the sideline. And he's just He mouths to himself. And you can see on the TV, he just mouths to himself, just throw the fucking ball out of bounds. Yeah. Like, it's just those type of things that separate, like, bare minimum quarterback play and being able to actually contend for a playoff spot against a team like the Falcons, where you're always consistently held back by the quarterback. The defense is fine to good. They play good football. Um, The commanders really couldn't find anything a lot of consistently outside of, you know, converting the turnovers into points. But this Falcons team just annoys me so much because they can be so much better if they didn't tie their boat to a quarterback who's just not playing well right now. Yeah, I mean, that second of the three interceptions was the one you were talking about, JP. It's a zero blitz situation. It's third and seven, third and goal at the seven. 
throw it out of the back of the end zone. Like it, he lofts up this like yeah, like he lofts up this back footed throw on a corner road to Drake London that he underthrows by like ten yards. Like live for fourth down. Like it, it's not fourth down. If it's fourth down, yeah, you got to make a throw. Fine. That was just brutal. Like the the design on the third interception where you bump Bijan out, you see the linebacker go with him. Like you get the matchup you want, make a better throw. Like just just make a better throw. Like and you know it, it certainly seems like Ritter just is not the answer here because they have so much talent around the quarterback position. You thought you would have gotten more production from the quarterback position as a result of the talent around him. And like we talked about last week, he had the sort of, ooh, is this the Desmond Ritter get right game? It was against a Texas secondary that, as JP pointed out last week, was missing three starters. Like, yeah, this isn't it. Um, I mean, JP, you laughed at this. Russell Wilson on the Falcons next year. No. R- no. Russell has not, no, not looked doing, broken. I'm not doing this. Man. I mean, look, if the Broncos outright release him, I don't know how, you know, tenable this is, but – this like they need like what is the the path forward for them? You know what I mean? Like that would be a significant upgrade, and that's really saying something here. I recognize that, but like they they like I we, I don't want to watch the Titans in red and black. That's what the Falcons are at this point. You know that's funny because one of the midseason trade destinations for it, Ryan it's so Tannehill is yeah. the Atlanta Falcons, but Ryan Tannehill on the Atlanta Falcons would probably be a little. That team's a little better. That team's yeah. better with Ryan Hill as the quarterback. But, you know, the on the bright side for the Falcons is everybody in the division lost. You're still in this if you want is to Is that really that. the bright side? Because they would just be like, all right, look, we're still in it. We can keep rolling Desmond Ritter out there. You're you're still in it. You can still you can still win the division and host the playoff game if you want. Um, but we – I don't know if you want that right Two now. weeks from now, by the way, the Falcons visit Nashville in what will be the grossest game of all time. Like, nope. Can we please skip that one? We will fast we forward to fast here. Forward button uh, yeah, uh, we will then. Um, we might as well, JP, you mentioned the division um, kind of cratering around them. The New Orleans Saints lost in Houston. Uh, 20 to 13, the final score. CJ Stroudmark threw his first career interception. Um, on the return, it was fumbled. So it, it made, you know, Houston maintained possession. Just kind of a funny little quirk. Uh, it'll be a great Jeopardy answer someday, I'm certain. Um, this Texans team is fun. Like, I mean, they're they're the baby lions at this point. Like, they're they're a few steps, you know, further back in their rebuild and their process. But I don't know how anyone can enjoy watching this Texans team right now. And this Saints team, we all thought had a chance with their awful schedule, but. I don't know. That might have been being way too generous with them and their potential. Again, on the bright side for the Saints, everybody else lost. You're still in this one, baby. But the offensive line just is not great right now for the Saints. You know, Trevor Penning was a starting left tackle. He got benched before the game, which is not great for a first-round pick that you um, you traded, you traded up for to go get, and you traded with the Eagles for. And you see what the Eagles did with those picks. So doesn't look great. Um, I just – I don't get it with this team. The Saints defense is good, but the offense just consistently – it's consistently inconsistent. Like outside of the big Rashid Shahid touchdown and then some amazing Chris Olave plays, they can't move the ball. And it's just – it's weird because well, – not weird because you bring in Derek Carr to get – like some baseline QB play, but this team looks the exact same as they did last year, just with a little better receiving options. 
from the from the Texans perspective, DJ Stroud is good, man. That's a he's really good at this football thing. Even outside of the interception, the timing on the touchdown passes to Robert Woods, the big pass to Nico Collins downfield, it was just textbook. He looks he looks so much like a polished NFL quarterback. And there's still room to grow for him. So if this is what he looks like in year one, the sky is the limit. Mark, uh, just quickly on Derek Carr, I just saw this. Uh, maybe you've seen this before. Um, this is a tweet from Action Network. Derek Carr is 17-33-2 against the spread as a starter in the NFL. Not a dude who you can really bet on um, in a literal and metaphorical sense, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, he threw for 353 yards, but there were yards left on the field. Like, he could have thrown for more. It was maddeningly inconsistent, the lack of execution in this passing game. And... You know, as JP said, look, everybody else in the division lost, so you're still sort of in the mix here. And I still think that they're the best team in this division, but it's just a chaotic division. And, you know, ultimately, I think they're going to be the team that wins this division and hosts a home playoff game. I'm not buying Atlanta, as we just talked about. I think we're starting to see a bit of the shine come off in Tampa Bay, and Carolina is 0-6, and so, yeah, there's that. But I'm not going to bet on this team. It's not, and it goes just beyond the car stuff. It's just like they are so inconsistent. They're inconsistent up front. And, yes, this this defense is good. But as we just saw, there are plays to be made against this defense. As for Houston, look, you're already at three wins. You won three wins. You won three games a season ago. You're well ahead of schedule. Playing with house money. Yeah, you're playing with house money. And you're making JP, uh, making RJ look great. I mean, remember, RJ was once saying they'd be like this, and here we are. My man, Mark Schofield. Look at that. Michelle, if, if I can't win MF double MVP, I want it to be Mark, obviously. Uh, no offense, JP. Um, let's uh, move on. Uh, I'm going like to I'm gonna fast forward through the Vikings 19 to 13 win over the Bears. Thank you. And, yeah. Um, I think that that one sentence, please, Mark. Uh, the Vikings do get the six point win without Justin Jefferson. The Vikings won against the Chicago Bears. Without Justin Jefferson, JP, never show me another Bears game ever again. Yeah, my sentence is just I'm sad for the Bears yeah. and the Vikings. Yeah. I'm just this was a sad game. This was just um, a bad game. Uh, JP, you do have your fast forward left. We have two games left, so just heads up. Uh, the LA Rams beat the Arizona Cardinals twenty six to nine. Um, so we're all kind of waiting with bated breath whether or not you want to discuss that. Use the backward. Okay, uh, then JP, first sentence for you, please. Um, after the Rams get to five hundred, uh, looks like the, I mean, looks like Josh Dobbs might be turning back into the pumpkin. Mm, Mark, um, your evidence that big boy grilling on the roof football is back. How did the Rams open the second half? Nine straight running plays. A Sean McVay offense running it nine times. I think that was that beat the previous high, which is I think four or five straight running plays a couple of seasons ago. Big boy grill on the roof of ball may very well be back. Yeah, good for the Rams. It's really all I have to say. Like, this was, you know, tough scene for the Cardinals. Um, final game, none of us have a fast forward, but I don't think this will take long. Um, it was the final game of the day. Uh, the Buffalo Bills <laughs> survived on Sunday Night Football. Wait, you skipped the game. I sk oh, we skipped Mark, the game. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have not talked about our – Favorite team, New England Patriots. Uh, we'll save the Bills, uh, Mark. And that's funny because I locked <laughs> up the Raiders on Friday's show. Um, and I got that safety at the very end, the cover, because it was a three-point line. Uh, so, Mark, the, <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. John, look, 
I'm trying to help you out. Trying to forget that Josh McDaniels beat the New England Patriots. Um, Brian Hoyer comes to the game and it's just like throwing go routes and deep posts and just dunking on this team. Mac Jones. It's a tough scene, man. I almost had an aneurysm when he threw that interception. I mean, you saw it in the slack. It was a strain of all caps, none of which can be repeated on a family show. Um, is th- is this how it ends? I mean, that's what I wrote today at .com. Is this how it ends for Bill Belichick? Like, it's just – and look, you're coming off a 38-3 loss, the worst of the Belichick era, a 34 nothing loss to the Saints, which, I mean, as we just talked about, what? Which was your worst home loss. And it was like this one was worse than the other two because, like – you're losing against a bunch of familiar faces and Adam Butler and Josh McDaniel. You're losing or now Brian Hoyer. You take an unforgivable safety in the end zone after you can't hit a check down on the down before you have a tight end chip and release and a right tackle, try to block Max Crosby. And he just runs through him like it's a bag drill at the senior bowl. I mean, my goodness. Um, and again, I'm not going to get sympathy from anybody. I, I get that. But you're the definitely Patriots not. Mark. Are a bad football team. JP, did you see this on the broadcast that the Patriots have uh, had allowed 79 consecutive points um, at one point, which was the mo- which was the most in the NFL since 2000. Um, the, the 99, Browns. the 99, 99 Browns, which yeah. obviously are a well-known story and affiliated with Belichick. Um, Tough, tough, tough scene, JP. But again, um, to Mark's point, like, I don't think, like, neither of us lost sleep on Sunday night over this. I mean, I actually lost memory of the game. But, I mean, this, like, and and Mark said familiar faces. It's not just the staff. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer and Jacoby Myers. Like, you lost to Patriots light. And it was Adam Butler got a sack and was, like, you know, trashing Belichick in the locker room after the game. It's just, like. Oh my goodness. If you lose to Josh McDaniels, JP, you got to go home. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's, it would, it, a, a loss <laughs> to Matt Patricia would be less embarrassing, I think. Speaking of losing to Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick is 0 3 in his career. Oh my gosh, games. JP. Things wow. to consider. Mm. Much but to anyway, um, this, this team's bad. I just, there's no, there's no comprehensible way of like trying to find any good things about this team. Like, the defense, like, yeah, sure, it's kind of fun. Keon White went out with a uh, concussion. He's going to be gone for a while. Um, most of the stars on this team are going to be gone for a while, and they all play on defense because you darn sure don't have a star on offense who can at least get them off the basement floor of quarterback play or even offense at this point. Um, from the Raiders' perspective, Max Crosby, it's awesome. he's a baller. That's really it. They didn't do anything like impressive offensively. They kind of stood out, but Max Crosby rules. He is in that top tier of edge rushers. He he's played the most snaps of any defensive lineman over the past two seasons. Like he consistently leads every defensive lineman in snaps, but he never, ever, 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 ever gets tired. He does not miss snaps. He he played every snap against the Patriots. Yeah. And it's not the first time he's And done. look what he did he on his last like, snap. Like, you know, you're like he, 60 snaps deep into a game and you're blown by a chip and a, a right tackle. Like, what? He's not a – he's insane. He's an insane football player among the top tier of edge rushers. But, yeah, the Patriots are just not not fun. So, 
the guaranteed money on Max Crosby's deal runs out after next season. Um, what's to say in 2025, you know, the Raiders aren't going anywhere before 2025. I- I'm, I'm manifesting this. Max Crosby, through some manner, joins the Detroit Lions in 2025 as the final piece to a championship run. That would be the funniest edge edge rush. Yeah, deal that's what I'm saying. Like the funniest edge rushing club. Like wow. Yeah, I'm man. Manif- remember, remember this. Two years from now, or I guess a year and a half, but still, remember this. Um, Mark, do we see Malik Cunningham at any point this season? Like in a serious sense? I mean, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, look, the handwriting's on the wall. Like he was the number two. Like Zappy was your right. number three emergency quarterback, like and, and partly because they wanted to use Malik in a variety of roles, like under the rules, like your number three emergency QB can't play a non QB position, so they want to at least leave that open. I think he starts at least two or three games at this point, like just because what else are you going to do? The, the Mac Jones experiment, it, it's not working. It, it's not the interception was. Oh, and it's, um, it's like it was, two weeks it after he did it against Dallas. It's like, have you not learned at this point? Like, you're not that guy. Look, um, and it's it's bad that he's regressing. Yeah. Like, it's, that's the biggest thing. He is regressing. It's not just the offense. Like, you brought in an actual, like, you can see what the foundation or what the point of the offense yeah. is. It's just the quarterback can't execute it. The offensive line can't execute it. You don't have any receivers outside of Demario Douglas, who's five foot seven, right. who create separation or do anything on offense every play like they're throwing jump balls to Devontae parker in 2023 like come on man like be serious i know y'all um did not and do not enjoy my russell wilson to atlanta take but for the kirk cousins haters out there the idea that kirk cousins is not going to make well but just in general the idea that he's not going to make a stupid amount of money in the offseason is so ludicrous to me i mean like how many teams have we talked about as being incredibly desperate like mark again maybe kirk isn't the answer there but new england is in that mix new orleans is in that mix you could argue that tennessee is in that mix atlanta is in that mix somebody is going to pay kirk cousins a gross amount of money to play football for them in 2024 so yeah if i'm kirk like i'm not gonna move in the middle of winter like i'm not waving my no trade clause right now i'm just gonna wait till the off season and let everybody kind of create a, a, a buyer's or a bidder's market you know what i mean or a seller's market excuse me like jp you were nodding you agree kirk Kirk, is Kirk Cousins not the best available quarterback in 2024? I mean, he probably That's is. what I'm saying. <laughs> unless anything. Sure, unless like, we have a random thing or whatever. But, like, the way it looks right now. It's like him and, like, Kyler. If he's. But I mean, Kyler's coming off an ACL injury. But, no, they still have his. No, this is his fifth year. You're right. Um, tough scene. Well, he did sign up to the extensions. So right. It's more like, it's more like he's available. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. On the open market, Kirk's the best one. You don't got to give up draft capital. It's going to be incredible. Um, I got here too early, Mark. Apologies. Um, but since you just talked about the Patriots, you should have to talk about the Bills, um, who are four and two thanks to a really gross win. I mean, this was. I mean, it got actually kind of riveting at the very end. Uh, but 14 to nine, the final score. Um, yeah, I mean, Bills, I need James to write about them being frauds, um, but this was a tough, tough, tough Well, this is Buffalo. the story of the Bills this year. I was on, you know, WGR Saturday morning. The hosts were asking me, like, look, 
we play a team like Miami, a good team, and we play extremely well. Then we play some bad teams, and it's like we play to the level of competition, whether it's up or down. And that's like you should have lost that game if you're Buffalo. Like if Tyrod doesn't have that sort of like brain check moment right before halftime and they manage to get the field goal, we're talking about the Giants and Tyrod Taylor like winning this game. Like this was an it was, wasn't an inspiring confidence from Buffalo's standpoint. For the Giants, look, the Giants are what they are at this point. This was the bet, the downfall of being a year ahead of schedule. Now you're a year behind schedule when everybody's hurt. But Buffalo plays to their level of competition. That's what we're seeing from them this season. Why is that? Why is Tyrod Taylor checking into a run even an option? Well, that's the bigger question, right? Like, if your cannon plays, that's on you. Because if you've given him the option and the look is, look, if we get this look from the front, you've got to check into the run. You know, why are you, why are you giving him that option? Why are you giving him yeah. the option to check into a run with six seconds left and you have no timeout? Every play should be a, a pass. And that's not saying, like, you know, like you're on the goal line. Yeah, you can sneak it. But no, if you don't get it, then you run out of you missed that opportunity. Um, um, it, outside of that, Tarod Taylor actually like moved the ball, which you know it looks bad for Daniel Jones, especially because the verticality of Tarod Taylor and that passing game <clears throat> was there a lot more than it was for Daniel Jones ever, like this season. But for the Bills' perspective, you know this is. This is just going to be a thing, especially with how injured they are on defense. They're just going to have to muck out these kind of games. See, like, I am so annoyed that Josh Allen, like, tries to, like, embody that. Like, it's it's almost like Josh Allen is like, what is the most, like, physically violent way that I can do anything and everything all at once? Dude, just calm it down a little bit. You know what I mean? I just Fighting feel like linebackers apparently is on that list that's... too. Well, there was the the skirmish, and it's like, yeah, like what do you? It was funny. I love it. I love it. Multiple things can be true. Like it can be funny. It can be cool. It can be badass and get you riled up. But can it can also be like a categorically irresponsible thing to do, right? Like if you're the franchise quarterback who has paid all this money, like <laughs> the Josh like, Allen experience in a nutshell. Yeah, like yeah, right? just chill out a little bit. Like that's what I'm saying. Like like there's no need to prove you're some hard ass here. Like you know, like that's what it just kind of feels like sometimes, and it feels like the Bills are like that in general um but yeah um mark i'm gonna go on record right now the bills are gonna lose in new england on sunday that is gonna happen it's gonna be the funniest thing ever i know y'all are shaking your head because you can't believe it but whatever um all right one sentence on monday night football and then we hand out an award here um i will go and say that the dallas cowboys better win because sunday provided a great opportunity to close the gap with san francisco and philadelphia Mark, which team needs to win more I mean, Oops. that's that's my big question. Which team needs to win more? I almost feel like Dallas, but it's close. JP. This game's going to have so many shenanigans. You put two teams that absolutely cannot, like, win in a normal way ever on primetime television where neither of them can win a normal game ever. This game will have so many just absolutely bad shit things happen. That's true. Rachel, if you could join us, please, and offer your takeaways from Week 6 Sunday action. And of course, hand out the coveted MF double MVP. That would make us very happy. Sure. I don't like that you guys skip my Ravens game. That should be a rule. That was on Mark. <laughs> that was on Mark. It's like it's on me. Yeah, you get it. No, I fast forwarded Vikings uh, Bears. That was mine. Oh, okay, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Um, 
stock up performances uh Bobby Okereke he looked really good uh Sunday night in that game um also Amari Cooper strong performance it was sad to see uh I mean not rooting for the 49ers but you never want to see injury so Christian McCaffrey was just like dang the fact that he went out Debo Samuel went out um and then for my Ravens I love to see uh in addition to Lamar Jackson, you can never have too many strong performances from our kicker, Justin Tucker, who nailed like majority of his field goals. It was one that was like missed though. So that sucked to see. But yeah, um, today I really like JP's point about it was kind of like a tag team. RJ, you talked about how Gardner Minshew and how people don't really love him because he's not that good. That's what JP was saying. But then RJ was saying how it's more so like the character like who he is in the stash that comes with it. Also, um, I don't know if I see the Bills losing to the Patriots. I don't believe that's going to happen. Um, and then Kirk Cousins as the best available quarterback on the market. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess. Um, JP, I also really like your point about the Bengals pass rush not getting a, enough credit right now. And Mark, I love your points on this being the time to take the Lions, to, like to take them seriously, like they are legit. Um, and also how pretty much this is the story of the Bills right now. Um, and so today I'm going to give it to Mark. So hopefully this helps, even though the Patriots haven't been winning. I'll take anything I can get right now, because obviously the New York Patriots are a, are a tough, tough, tough watch right now. But who knows? Maybe RJ's right. Maybe somehow they beat the Buffalo Bills. But I got to say, I don't see it happening. Big weekend. I think Mark has more big... I think Mark has more MF double MVPs than the Patriots have. Wins. He does. Oh, I was going to say, hey, too. at least the Patriots now finally have scored more points in the month of October than the Boston Red Sox. Because coming into yesterday, the Patriots wow. had scored three points in two games, and the Red Sox had six runs in their one and only game in October, their last game of the season against the Orioles. Hang the banner. That is beautiful. Um, I was going to say, Mark, you're heading into a big week with the United States Grand Prix. Um, so you get to kind of work that on a normal time zone for a change. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I, I almost got to go down. Credentials were right, through, right. but they came in late, so I'm not going to be able to make the trip, but it's going to be a fun week. And, you know, we get Mercedes versus Ferrari, which is going to be fun. We get Checo holding on, hopefully, for second place for the drivers. Otherwise, you know, Red Bull might do what Red Bull does, but it's going to be a fun week. Mark will have you covered. JP will have you covered on um, Atlanta Falcons hatred. Um, and <laughs> Rachelle will have you covered on all delightful things in the universe. Um, JP, um, say something nice about Mark and then let's leave. Mark has a great hat. Great hat. It's a nice hat, isn't it? Yeah. Alpine right there. It's great. <laughs>